0: Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money.
1: It's podcast time again. Sorry, but it just is. That's what happens. We have to do podcasts. Hello, I'm Don McDonald. That guy over there, over there, over there. Oh, gosh, I hit my microphone. That's Tom. Cock. Greetings. We talk. All oh, real money. Good. The money matters the matter most to you because money matters in your life. It's kind of important. Here, let me improve my posture. There we go. And uh, tilt the camera a little bit there. Okay. Much better. So uh, we want to welcome you to both the podcast and the video cast. We're glad you're here. We're going to talk about stuff and answer one of your questions that was sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com. But remember, you can also call them in at 855-935-8255. So give us a holler. Now, we often talk about the financial services industry. Why? Because this is a money show, and you often deal with the financial services industry. And for most of the 20th and big chunk of the 21st century, those with whom you deal have called themselves stock brokers uh, or brokers. Now, you know, I've always had a lot of fun with the word brokers because brokers, it almost it, it defines what they do. They make you broker. So they don't want to be called brokers anymore, do they, Tom? But
2: they don't. I mean, and here's the other thing. I think if you asked people in my family, you know, my extended family, what I do for a living, most of them would probably say he's a stockbroker. I'm betting they would because that's the fallback term, right? That's the, yeah, You've that's kind of been around. You've never
1: been a stockbroker. I know. I, have, on the other hand, I have been an I evil stockbroker. I know. I know. But, but, I'm just, but what what my story proves is that anyone, anyone. Can reform themselves and turn over a new leaf. And what a leaf that was—a yes, giant was. maple. <laughs> but okay, but let's just talk about this. Yeah. So today,
2: the art. This article that I read recently says, "Why do so people so few people call themselves stockbrokers?" Well, interestingly enough, everyone wants to be not even an investment advisor anymore. Now they want to be financial advisors or wealth managers because that oh, makes wealth managers
1: like, even better.
2: Yeah, because. I only deal with people that have a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and wealth. Because I'm special. You see, if you manage money, you just eh. if you manage wealth, you're on a whole
2: nother plane. Yeah, that's. And by the way, where is the line for you? How much do you have to have uh, to be
1: wealthy? Uh, a billion dollars. Okay, billion, well, <laughs> billion dollars. Never going to reach so, even when if were you're close not managing to that. a billion dollars with just one client. You. If, Then you're not a wealth man. that's true. You're just a money guy. But let's just walk through some of the terminology, because I do think it's an
2: important thing for people to realize the people they're dealing with. A CFP, for example, Certified Financial Planner. Did you know know that 59% of them, and I think this is for advisors, the highest standard, the best designation you can get. It's very thorough. You go through estate planning. You go through taxes investing, financial planning, all those things takes a while, a year Mm -hmm. or so, 59% of them can sell commissionable products. Let me say that again. Six out of 10 CFPs are working for a firm where they can sell you an annuity, a stock, a loaded
1: mutual fund at all. Yes. Wait, wait. I have to wait here. Wait. Aren't certified financial planners, by their creed, required to, at all times, act as a fiduciary to their clients? Well, it's funny you should ask. The CFP board
2: CEO, Kevin Keller, says those CFP professionals are committed to acting as a fiduciary for their clients at all times, at all when, times. When providing financial advice, which includes brokerage services. Now I have no idea how he can say that because we know CFPs who sell products. If six out of ten can, then many of them the, will, because there's 5. a living to be made.
1: Seven out of ten do.
2: Yeah, I don't know that number, but I can tell you that. I made that up. It's no guarantee. It's no guarantee that you're going to get fiduciary advice. I'll say that. As a
1: matter of fact, we know a very well known guy in the Seattle area who's a CFP who at free steak dinners sells people indexed annuities. Now, if that isn't a violation of his certified financial planner oath, I do hear my pledge that I will be a fiduciary at all times. I will not sell indexed annuities. What is?
2: And I hope we get to the day where they don't allow CFPs to operate in a transactional business like a stock broker does. By the way, the investment advisor is somebody that should use, uh, you know, you hope low cost mutual funds, but that doesn't always happen. Even investment advisors can sell you stuff. This is kind of the where the business has moved to. And as I say, it's now people are kind of moving to this wealth manager, everybody, no one wants to be called stockbroker anymore. They want to be called, as I say, financial advisor or wealth manager. So Let's if you're, if you're using a stockbroker, you're, you're working with someone who is, it's a transactional enterprise, right? They're selling you a product. Right. Um, right. They owe an allegiance to the firm, not To you, let me say that again. If you're working for somebody who works for, I don't know, Smith Barney or um,
1: wait, I don't think there's Smith Barney anymore. Okay, I was just
2: going back a few years.
1: It's Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney,
2: Edward Jones. They have an allegiance to that firm, not to you. And we saw this recently. I shared this with you, I think, Don, where we had someone who had an Edward Jones portfolio decided to move some of the portfolio out. But Ed Jones just decided to sell off the entire portfolio and the client had to book all the capital gains, which I'm sure they were legally allowed to do. But morally, is that really the right thing for your client? No, that is not the right thing for your client. So here are my takeaways from all this. Labels today in the financial services industry mean nothing. CFP, nothing. Doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean what treatment you're going to get as a client or the products they will use for you or who really they're working for. Doesn't mean.
1: Um, well, wait, wait, wait. Registered investment advisor. Getting to that. Getting yeah, to that. Okay, because it is the All firm. titles.
2: I'm saying individual firm. Oh, the firm. This is, the, the hire should be made with the firm, not with the person. A registered investment advisor, and it has to be a 100% registered investment advisor because right. many people are duly registered, right? They have, as you pointed out, Don, the R.A. hat, and then they sometimes take that and put on the merely suitable hat where they're working for the broker-dealer. So 100% fee-only, the firm first, and that's it. A 100% fee-only fiduciary firm is the only one you should hire. Then you find the right advisor inside of that firm, but you hire someone who has your interests at heart, not the firm's.
1: And there's a trick. There's actually a way to uh pretty easily determine this, whether they're a duly registered advisor or not, whether they're uh, strictly a registered investment advisor. And that is go to their website. And for most of them, you scroll clear down to the fine print at the bottom of the page. And it will tell you, you know, so-and-so is an investment advisor registered to the SEC, so and if it also says broker-dealer services provided by or something like that, also a broker-dealer, look for the term broker-dealer. If you see broker-dealer, then you have a dual-registered advisor, and they are not always required to do what's best for you. Start with that. And by the way, the, the, the term financial advisor is 100% meaningless it has no legal definition anybody you can call yourself a financial advisor and you just can't take money yeah don't charge you, for it don't charge for it but if you want to say i'm a financial advisor i'll advise you um you can certainly do that it's legal you just can't charge money then you become a then you have to be a registered investment advisor
2: and somebody from the show just called me recently and say I'm working with my financial advisor at Mutual of Omaha.
1: Yeah, that is not an investment, registered investment advisor. That's just some guy selling insurance. And boy,
2: was he ever, because there's a whole life policy where they're throwing in a lot of money every month and they're getting a little bit of insurance, and a lot of very expensive, <laughs> actively managed mutual funds The money's going into. And this person was in their 20s. This is not a place to start when you're in your twenties. Do not do
1: that. And before you get yourself into one of these things, another way you can find out is to call us. We will help you figure out whether or not you're dealing with a true fiduciary or not. Just give us a call either on the show or you can call our offices. The show number is 855-935-TALK. The office of Vestry is 800-386-3004. We'll help you figure this out. Don't call late. I go to bed early. So. Yeah, call call up to 2 a.m. Pacific time. No, call uh,
2: at 2 a.m. That's when 2 I get up. <laughs> I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs> 855-935-TALK is the number to call for questions for the show and the yep. podcast. You can also send them in at Talking Real Money, just like Spencer did. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Are bonds irrational if you have a mortgage, Tom? If you have a mortgage, you've essentially shorted a bond. It seems irrational, irrational. <laughs> I just made up a new word. I like it. It seems irrational to me to short bonds while you're also buying bonds. I understand that liquidity matters in retirement, but I plan on my house being a small portion of my portfolio when I retire in about 15 years. If you had a if you have a paid off mortgage, you also have more income flexibility in retirement, which has value particularly in down markets. If you're concerned about liquidity, you could set up a HELOC uh, for the just in case scenario. I'm not paying extra on my mortgage, but I plan on having a paid-off house before I retire. I also plan on being 100% in equities until my house is paid off. My risk quiz score was in the high 80s. Wow! Unusually what are your high. thoughts on this approach? Okay, Tom. that sounds like like three or four questions. I'm trying to make you sure know, it's I understand really the one question. question. Which is it's what? really one question? Does it make sense to pay off a mortgage as opposed to buying bonds? What he is saying is isn't my mortgage just like a backward bond that I'm paying somebody else interest as opposed to somebody paying me interest? So doesn't it make more sense for me just not to pay somebody else interest and own my house free and clear? To me, this is always a question. There's a lot of other questions I'd have for this person Uh,
2: because if you're still a long way from retirement and you can pay off your mortgage and you're going to stay in that house, then I can see it. The the issue we regularly see though is that people are overpaying to pay down their mortgage. They're getting closer to retirement and they're going to need cash in retirement to pay the bills. Then I'm gonna say, no, in today's world, you can still refinance your mortgage for what, 3%? Yes. So you can get three percent money yeah. there. Yeah, if you had it all in bonds. In fact, at fifteen, you can still you're in the tubes. Okay, so and if you if you had it all in bonds, yeah, I would expect that you're not going to make a lot of money in that. But you already said you have it all in stocks. I'm a little confused by why the well, bonds. he's thing. all in
1: uh, because he's saying in retirement, why shouldn't you have a paid off house? And he makes some faulty assumptions. One of them is, if he says, if you have a paid-off mortgage, you also have more income flexibility in retirement, which has value, particularly in down stock markets. Now, there's a major assumption in there that the assumption is home values don't go down, stocks go down, houses don't go down. That is a spurious assumption and one that I can anecdotally personally attest to In that I saw my house get to one million dollars in two thousand seven and then drop back to about six hundred thousand dollars until it rose back up to about one million dollars now. So to get from the high to the current high was a thirteen year, fourteen year process. By the way, that's very
2: where I was. That's very similar to mine. So I bought mine for $880 in 2007. Mm -hmm. And it went straight down, literally, from the day upon it. Remember August of 2007? Yeah, that was the peak of the housing market. And uh, it got down to the place where I think it was about 500. And if you were to believe Zillow today, I don't even like to say the number. It's so ridiculous what Zillow says it's worth. But it's worth considerably more than the 880 today. And the
1: HELOC argument. Okay, I get that one. but, But there's a huge uncertainty with HELOCs. Uh, you don't know what your rate is going to be at at any given time. Whereas with a mortgage, you're not really shorting bonds. With a mortgage, you're locking in a rate for fifteen to thirty years, and I, we would never suggest you buy a fifteen to thirty year bond because the risk to the to to the investor is too high. Exactly, and, and again, this is
2: why you do more detailed financial planning in some ways, if you're really trying to work out a retirement plan and you, I mean, the first question to say is, is this the home you want to live in? What is your cost of living while you're paying it? And what income sources do you have in retirement? That would be the starting place for me. Then I'd work my way backwards to whether I paid it off or put the money into liquid in type in you know, and, and,
1: and if invest- you're locked into a, if you're locked into a 3% mortgage for the next 30 years, uh, and you are a, an investor who can take the kind of risk you can take, then you've got really, really good odds of dramatically exceeding over the course of decades, the, uh, the, the 3% that you're paying on the mortgage. It's like borrowing money cheap to invest it. And if you can take risk, that often pays off. So it has paid, uh, off. It yeah, has paid it, off. It has paid off. You don't know, about the next 30 years. We don't have any clue. Eight five five nine three five. talk for your questions to us here on the podcast or go to talkingrealmoney.com and send them in. Also, if you need that planning help, you just want to sit down with an advisor over the phone, via video, uh, go to Vestory.com and set up an appointment with one of our advisors. They're free. Free. We won't manage your money forever for free, but we will help you one off for free. There is no obligation, no trick, no gimmick, and no sales pitch. So go to vestry.com and sign up for that.
2: And somebody wrote you really on today. Somebody wrote me recently and said they really enjoyed your boyish charms on the video presentation. So now I've watched more carefully today and I see them. So well done. My sir.
1: boyish charms. Yeah. Even though in a couple of days I'll be officially an old man. Let's not go there. What do you say? Thanks for being a part of our little get together. We really appreciate you being there. And man, we are almost to 400 video subscribers now, Tom. That 400,000? 400, 400, 400. Oh, period. Period. But we okay. we're, we're going to pass that this weekend. Okay. We're, gonna, <laughs> so we're, we're going to So by the 4th for, of July. We're going we're not to going five. for the 70% virus. We're going for four hundred. Yeah, but you have to look at the rate of increase. <laughs> I see. At this kind of a rate of increase, we could at thousands. World. We could be at thousands in a year or two. <laughs> You're slaying me here, literally. Uh, All right. Thanks for being there. Check out our podcast. Check out our videos. Tell a friend. Go to, to Apple Podcasts and review us if you like us. If you don't like us, just stop listening. Nobody's making you listen. Thanks for being there. That's Tom. I'm Don. We hang out talking real money.